Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, let me just invite the two Michaels and their spouses to come and uh, have their seats and then we will start our time together. Let's clap for them as they come. Eh? Yeah, as they have their seats, as we clap, I want to say that this evening is dedicated to this panel. And we want to be as open, we want to be as transparent as, as much as we can. We will have opportunity as the moderator leads us to engage with them. Thank you. Over to you, Reverend Tendo. Thank you so much. Uh, I know we've prayed, but we would uh, start by, by praying, then uh, we'll dash into what we have to do this particular evening. Let us pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much because you've loved us. Your love has never given up on pursuing us. Your God who pursued man right from Eden and you've not given up on that pursuit. We thank you that even in our brokenness you pursue us. Even in our rebellion you pursue us. Even at times when we don't understand where we are going, Lord, you've never given up on us. So for who you are, Lord, we return thanks and worship. We can never fully comprehend you, Lord. But as we sit at your feet this particular evening, we ask that, Lord, through the experiences of these, your servants, Mr. and Mrs. Rukwago, Mr. and Mrs. Seguaya, the Lord will speak to us. So Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence in our midst. And so to you we yield this particular time. Some of us may be at crossroads, but Lord, as we hear these, your servants, we ask that you clarify which path we are meant to take. It could be decisions, Lord, in the different areas of our lives. Lord, we ask that there will be clarity at the end of the day. May the experiences of these, your servants, Lord, be those that will bring glory and honor to your name. Be those that will bring real ministry to our hearts and lives. So, Lord, may you be exalted through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 So, once again, you're most welcome. Uh, that is my, my name. Married to sweet Martha. The past seven years and a few months, blessed with two lovely daughters, Penyo Muendo Namuiga and Bethel Muendo Namuyunga. Uh, yeah, I serve on the pastoral team here, partially focusing more on missions and evangelism. And of recent, there's a church plant down. That's why at times I'm rare here, which we are focusing on the border, border community in the city. Yeah, so that is the brief about, about me. I'm, uh, I love the Lord. Born again, not born against, but born again. <laughs> Washed by the blood of Jesus, and that's what moves me. So before us, I have this lovely panel. Uh, we're going to talk about hearing from God. As men, as women, as families, we want to venture into that particular topic this particular afternoon. But before we venture in that, I think I'll start with the extreme, the Rukwagos. You can tell us briefly who you are, who are the Rukwagos. Just tell us anything you think we should know. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you, thank you, Reverend. Uh, praise the Lord, everyone. Praise amen, amen. Yeah, we are the Lukwagos, Michael and Robina. 
and uh, we've been married 18 years. I've, as you've heard, I turned 50 the other day, so I am uh, doing well. I'm doing well. I'm a young man. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I'm born again. Um, very born again. I got born again in 2001. Uh, right here. I was seated in that, bench, that pew there. And I remember very clearly. It was an emotional time. So I bless the Lord that has brought me this far. Um, I am working, or I work with the U.S. Mission. Uh, I've been with them for 22 years, so I think it's time to leave. And uh, the Lord has blessed us with nations. We have three daughters, 16, 14, and 9, Adonai, Jaira, and Eliana, in that order. And uh, my lovely wife here will talk about herself. All right, uh, Mike has said a lot about us. Uh, what I can add is, um, yes, uh, born again as well. I serve here in the children's ministry. We love all saints. Uh, God has uh, done so many beautiful things in our lives through here, surrounded us with wonderful people. It's the place to be, and we see God doing amazing things in this church, and we like to continue to believe that we are going even further. I'm a public health specialist, uh, privileged to serve with Michael as well in the marriage ministry. Yes, thank you. Excellent. You're Thank most you. welcome. Let's receive them. Let's receive them. I think it's good to be in the Lord. I've seen Michael a few times around and I thought we were age mates. <laughs> Only to discover I have more work to do to catch up with his age. <laughs> Thank you. And let's hear from uh, the Seguayas. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord once again. Amen. My name is Apophia. His name is Michael. Together we make the Segi team. Unlike the Rukwagos, we've been married for 19 years. Um, we have two wonderful children. Elisha Bakutesa turns 18 in December. And Ethan Chitiwa will be turning 13 also in December. That question you addressed to Michael, he'll answer why December. <laughs> we pray from St. Francis Makere. We love the Lord. We are both born again. We are passionate about marriages. And uh, we have, I think we started doing counseling like three years into our marriage. Yes, like three years into our marriage, so that has been our, our heartbeat. Uh, Michael works with ABSA. I always mix up those titles, so he will give the titles, but at home there are no titles. I work with Orchard International Christian School, one of the places where the Lord has also blessed us so much because we've seen his hand move from one place to another. And uh, we are blessed to be here. We are blessed to be here. Praise the Lord. Amen. We are very honored to be here. Thank you very much for inviting us. Uh, yeah, All Saints is where I grew up. I used to stay down Buganda Road, so this is still home. 
Thank you very much. Thank you, the two Michael families. I'll, I'll, that, that will be easier for, for me. Now, at John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. That is sort of like the text, the scripture set for this particular evening. Uh, Jesus, the good shepherd, says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Maybe to, to the Lukwagos. Any comments on hearing from God briefly? Generally? No. Thank you. Thank you. Um, interestingly, hearing from God is something that cuts across or the desire to hear from God is something that cuts across. If you went to the streets and asked someone whether they would want to know what is going to happen to them tomorrow or what is in plan for them, they would be very eager to listen to you. And because of that, you find that some people have even taken advantage of that because the Lord has given them a gift and maybe they're able to uh, speak into someone's life and then they take advantage of it. So as we speak about hearing from God, I want us to understand that it is not something that is unique to Christians or to born-agains, but it cuts across everyone. The only thing that separates us is that when we accept the Lord, then the Spirit of God works in us. While the other person will now begin to depend on uh, fortune tellers or uh, palm readers or whatever it is to be able to see what's ahead or what God would be saying in quotes. So I want us to kind of have that background in our mind even as we discuss this hearing from God because we are going to now probably zero down into when God speaks to us as Christians because we may not be able to cover the other side uh, and I know that uh, personally, I was the other side and crossed over. I told you I got born again in 2001. So I was one time not born again. And so I know that while you're there, you use the language that says, something told me. I had something telling me, but that something is what? Is the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes, and perhaps if I could add, because, you know, when you go to Isaiah, um, God says to us, I think it's in chapter 46, that I make known uh, the end from the beginning. God is a God that wants to talk to us. He's a God that wants to communicate to us. And we see that, I think, also in Jeremiah. And I think yesterday we had um, um, the former archbishop talk about Jeremiah 33.3, where he says, call unto me and I'll tell you amazing things that you know nothing about. So God really does want to speak to us. He wants to talk to us about the future. He does know the future. And I think there are some advantages we have as Christians when we have the Holy Spirit in us and communicating with us that are 
allow us to enjoy this privilege because it is a privilege that we as Christians can have. And so it's a desire that really, you know, as men, as women, that we should have, you know, to seek God for direction related to our career. And I know we'll be talking about careers, our families, you know, who are we going to marry? Should we be married? Those kind of questions. I mean, um, I'll probably give two quick examples and then we can go on because uh, it's important to understand that God actually does speak to us. One of the things that he gives us, and I think we see it in the Bible as well, is you know, when you're in battle, he gives you advice, he gives you knowledge to use in battle. Many times as Christians, um, we are in the battlefield actively or even actively, even if we don't know it. I remember once dealing with a big challenge in our lives and wondering why we're not making a breakthrough, why we're not going forward. And um, I remember God speaking through the Holy Spirit and said, the spirit that you're dealing with is the spirit of Pisgah. Some of you might have heard about that spirit, the spirit that causes you not to cross over into the breakthrough that you want. And knowing what we are dealing with as a family enabled us to pray very specific prayers in this battle that enabled us to have a breakthrough. And then as we speak about career, uh, you know, this example comes very closely um, to my heart because I remember, you know, God called me to leave a job that I had and said, I'm taking you to a different place. You know, your season in this place has ended. And I was leaving this job to go into the wilderness, so to speak, because I didn't have another job. I'm not saying anybody and everybody should do that, you know. It's when God tells you, and I was very sure because there was this peace in my heart that God was saying, I'm calling you into a new season, you can leave this job now. But in that season of waiting for the next assignment, because when we're in careers, we are on assignment, I recall very clearly starting to panic, you know, because I'm a mother, we have responsibilities, the children, you start to think, eh, but really, did I hear from God? You know, you start to doubt. Um, and then I remember a job advert came up. It wasn't a very long season, but still a job advert came up. And I said, I'm going to apply for this job. I can't wait, you know? The doubts that come into our minds. And God very, very clearly told me, because they called me to come for the interview. They even gave me the time. And God said to me, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said that that is your Ishmael. You remember Abraham as he waited for his child, the promised child? There was a delay. And he and Sarah said, you know, hey, guy, why don't you have a child with her? And that's how Ishmael came to be. And God clearly said to me, that's your Ishmael, very clearly. And I could have chosen to go ahead. I could have chosen to, to go on, go for this interview and take on this job. But God had said, that's your Ishmael. That's not the Isaac I promised. Long story short, I decided. I said, you know what? Despite the doubts I have, my faith must, my faith must precede all this. And so I decided not to go. I told the HR manager, I will not go for that job interview. I'm sorry, I cannot come. I declined. And within two weeks, to be honest, the opening that God had prepared for me came to pass. So it is real. It is real. God does speak. Thank you. Wow. Listening to interesting uh, conversations here. <laughs> you may hear wrongly. <laughs> <laughs> So that means as you're listening, your ears must be really in tune. Eh? Otherwise, you may go, let me use her words for the Ishmael eh? <laughs> instead of Isaac. Okay, let's hear from the Segoyas. Any comments on hearing from God? Yeah, very interesting topic because um, actually when I first saw the topic, I was like, I wish hearing from God was like switching on the TV and hearing that sound. Um, but that's not the experience 
and for me, I've heard God in different ways. Um, one of them is just being quiet. At times when I'm a fast person, I would want to think and sort out things. And at times you find roadblocks and you're like, pause. So God has spoken to me in the quietness, in the calmness, in pausing and saying, okay, let me just leave everything. I would want to be here by this time, pause. I've also heard from God, from the roadblocks. You find this roadblock and you're like, wow. God, where are you here? And you pause. Remember, I'm still talking about pausing. So for me, that has been the experience. The brethren, the brethren, you'll coordinate this and hear from the other and the word tends to tarry. Um, I have used that as a way of confirming God speak. There's the small voice. The small voice, it comes and many times you brush it off. Then you remember he actually told me, but I did not listen. It's that small, still voice and knowing that it's him. And lastly, openings that you have no control about, no clue about. You get into this place, into this meeting, into this engagement, and God is opening doors. And then you realize, I have nothing to do with what's happening. I have heard God speak in such environments. Thank you. Good evening once again. Does God actually talk to us? I wonder. But he actually does. I have personally, I, I tend to make lots of friends. I treasure friendships. How many of us would want to have a friend that is silent? You call and they don't, they don't get back to you. Or how many of us would want to write a letter to a friend and then the person doesn't reply? You know, these days they say they've blue-ticked me, but they haven't replied. <laughs> right from my childhood, I keep talking about this experience. I had a father to my mom. You know, as grandchildren, when you'd go visiting, you get there, and when you're leaving, he prays. But every time he prayed you'd open your eyes and try to look of, did someone enter in here while we were closing our eyes? And for him, he was always talking to his friend. Of By the way, these people have come. Have you seen them? They are here. So from my childhood, I started knowing that you can talk to God like he's here with you. And that's a friend. And so... I learned, I learned that if I was to do this journey, of course I also got saved way later when I was um, youth. I, I saw Uncle Ben here and I was like, yeah, I'm glad he's still preaching the word. But those are some of the people that led us to Christ in our youth. And when I committed to be saved, I told God the only thing I want is for you to be my friend. If I talk to you and you talk back to me, then we are at par. If I don't hear you speak, then I'm in trouble. 
And interestingly, this morning, when I was thinking about this whole um, um, meeting, I was like, God, I feel panicked about this meeting. What are you saying? It's a men's meeting. They're calling women. What do we have to say to the men? <laughs> but I have, I have a daddy that just sent a message. It was four in the morning, my devotion time. And he started chatting. He said, God is telling me to tell you to be still. Okay? Does God speak? He does. I am a Mnyankole. I happen to be a firstborn in my home. And Michael is a Muganda. Getting married to Michael, I needed to hear God speak. Not, not in whispers, not through the, the things he has talked about of through friends. No, I told God, I need to hear you speak to me about this man. And, and for me, scripture brings me so close. All the experiences I've had, scripture, he speaks through his word. He's very, very consistent with his word. So spend time in his word. Even when you're puzzled about something, there are those, I, I always tell people there are times when you find yourself reading Leviticus and you're telling yourself of all books, how can I be in Leviticus? But, but stay the course. Just stay the course and tell God to speak. He will actually speak to you. And so he does speak in accents clear and still. Sometimes it will be loud, like he says. Personally, I've had to, you know there's a scripture where he talks about when I chasten you on a bed of sickness of come down and first listen to me. And for me, I've had many of those episodes where I've been sick and I've said, okay, God, what are you saying exactly? And he's shown me a number of things and spoken to me in accents clear and still. So friends, a friend talks to you. You talk to them, they talk back to you. And Christ desires to be your friend. Or he is already your friend. So listen, he speaks sometimes through his word, through your friends. By the way, it's true, even... Even donkeys, was it a donkey that he used? Even donkeys sometimes, your own children, they'll speak his word back to you. So he speaks. He's actually a God that speaks to us. Excellent. This is lovely. Actually, something I'm going to probe further. But as we listen in, there could be questions that are coming uh, through. Just take note of them. Because at some point, we'll entertain some, some, uh, some questions. So you can be taking note of those uh, questions. Ah. Uh, Apofia, you're talking about uh, marriage. Let me first yes. deal with that a little. Apofia Munyankole, Seguaye Muganda, you really need God to, to speak. <laughs> yes. So maybe to probe further, <laughs> how did you hear God in that circumstance? Maybe you could be helping someone here who, who <laughs> may be at crossroads thinking, uh, how do I know that she's the right one? How do I know that he is the right one? So from your experience, maybe someone can draw one or two things. Okay, I'll, I'll start with my personal, that's definitely my personal story. Right before Michael came into my life, I had a friend who had started confusing my mind. Eh? But within me, I knew he was not saved. And I kept telling God, but this person is not saved. And he was like, yeah, he's not saved. So I don't know what business you have. So I said, okay, God, I'm going to do a 40-day fast. I need you to speak to me about the person that I should be 
staying with or going out with or dating. And around that time, I remember most of my friends were actually dating and I was the only black sheep in the group that was not dating at that time. And most of them, uh, gentlemen would come, propose to them, they say no, then a few months down the road, then they say yes. So I said, God, for me, I don't want to be in this confusion. If he is the one, he has to walk up to me the first time and I have to know it is him, okay? So I did this 40-day fast and I actually went away from town and at the end of the 40-day fast, Michael showed up. Did he show up at the prayer mountain where you were? Or? No, we were, we, like I've said, we were both St. Franciscans, but I had never seen him, he had never seen me, but we were all in the same church. <laughs> and so when I did that 40 day fast and at the end of it Michael showed up and he was the word is pursuing he was over pursuing he was over pursuing and you can imagine on our first date, because when he showed up, I said, I think I should just go. I just heard from my pastor that, by the way, sisters, even as you say no, please say it kindly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was planning to say no to him kindly. But as he sat there and was talking to me, I remembered, it was like I was remembering. I had my list of things I'd written down of the kind of spouse I wanted. And as I was looking at him, I was beginning to tick the list off my head. You know how you have your list? And I was getting jerks in my system of, how come this guy is ticking? I don't know him, he doesn't know who, who is he? And so the more he talked, and, and this is, was his talk of, by the way, I am Michael, I walk with my parking, I am saved, I like you, and I want you to be my wife, debt one. Yes. <laughs> Spot on, eh? <laughs> and in that moment, I remembered what I had told God. I don't want anybody who will go through Peter, Tom, you know, to get to me. I want someone who will come up to me and tell me to my face with clear intentions. So I remember the moment he said that and that realization came to me, I shook. I was like, goodness, who is this guy? And so I remember when he proposed that I told him I need to get out of here. I, I think we can't go on with this debt. I need to think. But what I was literally saying, I was like, I need to pray. So I actually went back to God. I said, God, is this the man? And he was like, ask me, what do you want? So I kind of went back to his word. I said, do you remember Gideon? Do you remember what you did for him? <laughs> I said, so I want if it is him, I am going for this midweek service, he should show up in this place at this time and just say hello to me. <laughs> and by the way, out of the blue, I went, I sat in that specific spot, I can show you the spots almost, I sat in that space and before I knew it, he had showed up with his back and he just came, said hello to me and walked. I went, I didn't attend that midweek service, I remember. I went back to God. 
I said, okay, good, that was like a bit um, uncoordinated. You see, we all attend midweek service. Now, let's talk about another random day that is not church day. So it's okay, you ask me what you want. I said, I, you see, I don't even know if this guy, you know, where does he come from? What is, I need him to give a testimony about himself when I'm in the congregation. <laughs> And it so happened, we attended a certain fellowship together, and he actually showed up and talked about himself. Now, those were two. So now I started saying, God, I'm scared to ask for the third, but I really want to ask for the third. All this time, by the way, he is waiting for an answer from me, and I'm also not sure what to tell him. So I, I did those fleece with God for like four rounds of if he's the one he needs to show up here in a, a random place, and he would somehow show up. And then I would be looking at him, and in my head I'm thinking, you actually have no clue why you're here, but you're here. <laughs> and so I went now back to God. I said, God, now you're scaring me, but give me a word. Just give me one scripture that will show that it is him. And God gave me the scripture. You know Exodus, when God was telling the Israelites that I'll go with you, I'll be a cloud of, you know, of fire in the night, and uh, he gave me that scripture. I was like, okay, God, are you sure? First of all, he's a Muganda. How am I going to handle this house? He says, no, I will be with you. 19 years down the road, he has been amazing. Wow, 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 wow. Very, very interesting, Mr. Seguaya. Now you're approaching this wow. lady who does not know you, but somehow you know her. Somehow, Mama should be listening to her story. So how, yes. how, how confident, how sure were you that God was leading you to Apophia? First of all, I love to hear that story. I wish I could just record it and play it. Uh, okay, uh, maybe some bit of background for myself. Um, so I grew up in a Christian family and uh, around church, but not in church. Um, and girlfriends I avoided. So I get saved at campus, I think my first year, and still girlfriends, anything, I just avoided. But came to the last year, I needed to close the chapter. You know, the, 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 the fever that comes around, eh? the liver's fever. So I needed to close that chapter. So I get a girlfriend. And uh, we did. She was saved. Um, we did for two years. And she chucked me. A Muganda girl. Um, <laughs> so... so you understand the blockages, eh? Uh, if, you're to cr if you're to cross um, Rueda, you need to have understood certain blockages to go over the mantle that it has to be a Muganda girl. You understand? So I think for me that was one of them. I gave myself two years. Nothing, no talking to a girl, nothing. I needed a break. I need some form of, you know, Recovery. <laughs> so yes. Um, so Saint Francis is church. I used to go for midweek. I used to see her, and I was like, okay, yeah. So I go for this fellowship. 
does the fellowship um, for people who have left campus more or less. So I had left, she was, I think it was first, her first year out of campus. And she was preaching, she was talking about um, the lady at the well where Jesus says, go and sin no more. And man, she spoke so well. I'm like, and then she mentioned, she just said, yeah, by the way, I am comfortably single. I'm like, brothers, where are you looking? <laughs> I picked up, I asked one of the friends, I told them, man, give me that sister's number. And uh, by the time I organized myself to make the call for the men who do this, you understand what I'm saying. You have the number, but you, you're like, God, can I call? <laughs> it's not easy. It was, um, it was the Easter break. You understand? Easter weekend. So Good Friday, you're like, yeah, I think I have, like, I have the gas. I call, phone off. I call again, nothing. I call, no picking up. I'm like, what? Do they know my number? <laughs> anyway. Um, so she was in Buranyanji preaching. Mission. I didn't know about that. I think when I came and we finally met, um, that's when she told the story. But um, one, she was in church. She was tested. She knew the Lord. She knew the word. Two, I told her everything about me. On day one. On day one. <laughs> Empty yourself. <laughs> As like, you're going to do your research. Go and do your research. But no first-hand information from me. I dated so-and-so, I was thrown out. By the way, this one and some of the girls, she actually knew. And then she asked the girl, I still remember, uh, one day Gaya, Chipa Adams, those who missed Chipa Adams ice cream up there, the moon was up there in the sky and I was quaking. But then she asked this question, so having said all these so many things about you, Really, there was nothing to write home about. I was just starting. There was nothing. I knew there are other guys who had come along who were probably better than me, more loaded than me. I told her, that there's nothing to write home about us. At home, we had just, our house had just been sold and we were renting. So it was, there was nothing to write home about. I told her, there's actually nothing to write home about me. The only thing that you, I can boast about is that I know the Lord. And that is when the guards went off and that's where I correlate with the story. Let's get out of here, let's get out of here. Because that's the last answer she actually expected. Um, with that... So many things worked their way out. But maybe the other one is, in one of those visits, um, I come from a baking family. So I'm looking at the album. 
And I'm like, I know this cake. I know this cake. I made this cake. I had actually done her graduation cake four years before I knew her. Thank you wow. very much. God was speaking. Wow. <laughs> And anyone who is a baker here. <laughs> very, very interesting. Uh, but one thing I see, the thread I see is that place of prayer, that place of uh, hearing prayerfully as you hear what God is uh, saying, but also there are no coincidences. God is uh, putting pieces here, here and there. <laughs> So we need to keep our eyes and ears very, very open. That's a very good one. Let's just give them a very interesting hand clap. Now I want to, to turn to the Rukwa goals. Let me spare you that one. As I had uh, Mr. Rukwago over 22 years at the US mission, uh, Robin working here, here and there now with, uh, what, where do you say you are? Uh-huh. I've seen you, Rukwago, active here and there, preaching. Robina with Children's Ministry. How do you balance such a busy job, such busy jobs? You know, family, you said you have three? Three boys? Girls. girls. Three girls. I have two. <laughs> three girls, teenagers. Yeah, then uh, work, active in ministry. So how do you balance all those three? And how have you had God lead you in those different uh, areas of your life? Yeah. Okay, thank you. I will uh, have a go at it, and uh, Robin, I will have a go as well. Interestingly, I'm Michael, he's Michael. I'm a Muganda, he's a Muganda. Apofia is a Mnyankole, Robin is a Mnyankole. So, I, I can see something there. God is speaking. <laughs> yeah, and uh, when I heard Michael's story, if she tells you our first day, exactly the same thing. I think both of us were in that space of, I want to move forward. Because on the first day, I assured her who I was in full I didn't say go and research, I just left it there. And so she always talks about it, how on the first day, I told her exactly, I am this, I am this, I've done this, whatever I have not done. So, I think God is speaking, that we are here together. <laughs> but going to your question, um, how do we balance? Um, for me, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. Because when, uh, before I got married, uh, you know, those who know, I have been, I am a do-it kind of person. I'm action. I don't like meetings, so those who have meetings, I normally tell them, if it's more than an hour, I'm, I'm going to struggle. But you give me what to do, and I'll move with it. So that has been my life, and because of that, I find it easier to be in the thick of things, of things because I find myself you know, agitated, even if I'm in a place where I've been invited and I see something is going wrong, I almost stand up to go and, you know, uh, do it and make it right. So, 
Before I got married, it was okay. I had my schedules and there's a way I would schedule myself. Um, while I was here, I was a single man. I was living in Nalia. Uh, I'd managed to secure a mortgage on uh, one of those small houses. So I would go back to a home, a house. They, they used to tell us, you have a house because there's no uh, wife. It was a house then. So you go back and all that is, is, is to maybe get your meal, go to the bedroom and have your meal while you're watching your TV in your bedroom. And I know single men, uh, uh, they are, they are <laughs> identifying with me. Yeah, that was my life. You know, I would be, and I was, I was okay with it. I spent time here. I've been at All Saints since 2000. Um, and while I was here, it was like, it was home. I was on council for over eight years, I believe, consecutive. And those of you that have been on council know that the meetings can go on up to 10. But because you know there's no one there, you leave. If you have had tea, and it's not enough as a bachelor, you go buy one gear, buy a luombo, and go home and have it. That was my life, and I was okay with it. I remember when, uh, I'm sure you had Reverend Jafu calling me Mr. Muduma. When we were, Muduma is uh, land, for those of you that know, don't know, that all saints purchased about 100 acres, and I was one of the people who was on that team uh, looking for land for the church. Uh, it had been going on for a long time. And being the me, I said, you know, um, uh, what's the problem? I, was in the, I joined the youth 2000, all the meetings that we were having. I got born again 2001, 2002. They had made me uh, organizing chairperson of the youth camps. So I had been thrown in the deep end. But from there on, we had like four consecutive meetings. And every time we'd meet, the one thing that people would be giving us feedback we need our own sight. We need our own sight. Then I said, but what is the problem? So one day I woke up. I said, you know what? Enough of talking. Let's start looking for the land. So I called some brokers every weekend. I would jump into my car, get the brokers, and we go looking for land with them. And it was a long story. But long story short, we zeroed down to Muduma. And Muduma was purchased. But when... When I was doing all that, and in the process of actually constructing it, I would leave work like at 3, uh, 4.45, because that's the time I would leave work. And I would drive down to Muduma. Muduma is uh, on Mitiana Road. You get to, um, the place is called Buloba. It's past Buloba. But I would drive there from work, stay there up to around 8 or 9, and go home. That was the life I was living. Fast forward, I got married. <laughs> I got married, and it was good. It is good to be married, gentlemen. It is good to be married. Don't get worried. <laughs> it is good to get married. It's a blessing. But... The clock in me did not stop running. I continued, I continued at that speed. Now, because for me, I felt like my dear wife knows I'm at church. It's okay. Hey. 
<laughs> you will find out. I would go back home and someone is not happy. And I'm like, what's up? I'm from church. I, I probably had notified how to become in church. But you see, I found out later that you see, this person is looking forward to you coming home. But you're continuing your life as if life is the same as a single man. Now you're supposed to be with your wife. Because remember, there are no children, because the children can, can divert you know, the attention, but she's alone in the house. And it clicked later. Later, later. And those of you who know, I scaled down. I went off council, I went off youth. I stayed there a bit, but I kind of focused. In fact, now I'm focusing on, uh, on just the men's uh, ministry and the marriage ministry. Because it, it, it was taking me and the marriage was beginning to be stretched. So I had to find a way of now balancing and knowing that I have a wife and that I am no longer alone. It's easy when you're alone because you, you plan yourself. Now, you wake up and Saturday and Sunday, like I think our next three Sundays and Saturdays are already booked. I can no longer book, you know, or move like I used to. I remember I would jump in the car and drive to the west because my mom is from the west. I drive there, visit my grannies, distribute some few things that I've carried and come back on, on, on Sunday. Just like that. Now, you have to plan the trip, man. You don't just wake up and say you're driving away. You have to plan. You sit down and agree on this day we are going. So in a way, I had to reorganize myself. I had to understand that, wait a minute. Much as I have ministry, I have work, I also have family. And I began to now apportion time. Work is work. It ends there. I don't carry work home. My wife knows I don't carry work home. Even the work phone, when I get there, it's off. Yeah, because if tomorrow I'm gone, tomorrow, the, the next day, they will find somebody else. So in a way to allow myself that. And then also, ministry, I said, I'll focus on this ministry. So you begin now to uh, know what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Otherwise, if you're everywhere, like I was before, you, one of the things will suffer, and you'll lose it, like it or not. Your marriage, your work, or the ministry. So for me, it's been that place where I am able to understand that this is what works for me. I may do it kind of person, but I know that in that mix, there are other parties involved, and I am able to involve them. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. And perhaps just to add to Michael's wisdom, um, two things. One, it's important for us to realize that we go through seasons. We go through seasons in life, and every season has its calling. Every season has the things that it demands of you. And I'll focus particularly on the family. I think many times when we've just gotten married, the children might come immediately, they might come later. But raising children can be a very demanding season of your life. And it's important to realize that, especially as moms, but also dads. And this men's conference, of course, has a big focus on men. And so realizing that in one season of your life, God has called you to focus on certain things. Mike had his season when he was very busy uh, as a single man and focused on that. But when you don't realize that these seasons exist, sometimes you resist them. 
you know, you resist and continue to live in a season that has perhaps passed and fail to engage in what God is calling you to do in that particular season of your life. And so for us, particularly when it came to the time we had children, it was a time for us, I remember that time I had to make some very big sacrifices. I couldn't come into the church and attend the main service because the children were in Sunday school. And so that meant that a lot of my time was spent in Sunday school because I didn't want to be the parent that came into the main church with their children. And I knew what they needed for their own spiritual growth was in Sunday school. And so how did I take advantage of that? It meant that every time I was there, I was teaching and facilitating and helping. So make the most of the season that God has called you to as a family. Some of the people I taught, I remember, way back, have now gone to campus, people I taught in Sunday school, and find enjoyment in that season. Some people say it's hard to balance, and yes, they can be challenges, especially when it comes to careers, careers for us as women, but men, I'd like to encourage you. Michael has been very supportive, very supportive of me as a wife. Obugaro, obugaro, obugaro. And, and that's allowed me to grow. That's allowed me to grow as a woman in my career. When we celebrated our anniversary recently, um, our matron sang a very beautiful song on our behalf because I couldn't be around. I'd gone away, but came back. And I see Michael as the man that has just unconditionally pushed me and has said, my wife, now that we've gone through a season, the children are growing, there are more avenues I want you to explore. So having a partner who stands behind you and really pushes you on, listens to you and understands is really, really important. I think for, that, for us, that's also been one of the things that has helped us. In terms of ministry, I think evolution of ministry as well and how you serve um, is another thing that I think is important as you try and balance. Sometimes, like I said, I said out in children's church, Michael was in the youth ministry. As you grow together in marriage, you sometimes find yourselves like we did evolving then into a ministry that brought us together. It's been amazing for helping us to grow because every time you're in ministry and serving, you're also working on yourself. So I'd encourage men who are here, find something you can do with your wife. It doesn't mean you must always be together. There'll be things you do separately, but when you can find something where you serve God together, it's an opportunity for you to keep growing. Uh, someone said, when we stop learning, we start dying. I think that's it. So there's always something to learn. So grow together in ministry. Yes. Thank you. Okay. One thing I remember, even as she, she, uh, she was sharing, and for the men, you know, sometimes we struggle and it's not like it's perfect. I, I do remember because, you know, sometimes when you're growing up also, there's that influence from your background. So when the little ones came, uh, I was asked to bathe the baby. Hey, I was like, wait a minute. First of all, you're fearing or, you know, but as I did it, and I used to struggle because whenever you'd come back, you want to chill a bit. So you go and chill in the chair or wherever, you're watching TV, watching football. <laughs> watching football. And of course, she can't you know, do everything. And there's, there are things that um, it would be nice for the parents to be doing them. So one of the things was to bathe our children. You know, one year, two years, I struggled in the beginning, to be honest. It was like, you go grumbling, you know, you are putting on a, you know, mean face, but you bathe and then, yeah, you know, it's finished. But then along the way, I started to enjoy it. Because I realized this is the opportunity and this helps you in balancing life. 
Because when you're not around, you're at work or you're doing ministry, and then when you're at home, you want to be in the chair. But use that time to hit two birds with one stone. You're at home, your wife is seeing you, you're helping out, so you're building the love bank on this side. Hey, those who are married know what I mean. You're building the love bank here. So that when they see you bathing the baby, hey, my husband is helping, you know. And you're also ministering to your wife, but also you're bonding with the child. I noticed, you know, it's a time of bonding, you know, as they grow up, as they do this. So sometimes, and I know many of us could be struggling, and you're wondering, you know, your wife is telling you, help me to do this. And you're thinking, ah, this is not a men's thing, you know. Men, we are supposed to, you know, just check on the doors if they are locked when you're going to sleep. And yet, some of us even don't do it. I know a couple that shared, and the wife is the one who checks the doors, you know. So, it's, it's one of those things that I remembered and said, you know what, there are those things that we'll be asked to do that may challenge you, but are helping you in balancing on, on, on in terms of uh, your uh, work, uh, work life and uh, ministry. Thank you so much, uh, the Rukwagos. Actually, we can have the questions coming in. I'm going to ask uh, Elon. Elon has some papers. You write as I uh, will be answering questions here and there. Now, what is interesting is uh, one thing I'm hearing clearly. I think he's understanding the seasons too. God is saying something in a given season. And I think once you miss out on appreciating the season, then you may not be hearing what God is, is saying. You get? So understand at what, at what point in my life am I? What is expected of me? What is the most important thing at this, at this moment? It might be good, but is it the most important at this moment and time? I think once we miss out on that, then uh, we are we are we are on the wrong, on the wrong, on the wrong side. There's a question that came in here from Herbert. Uh, okay, great session. How can I know if I'm hearing God, hearing Satan, or hearing my own thoughts? And he goes on to say, question to Michael. Both of them are Michaels. <laughs> but the question may point to which Michael. Did you ask God for directions or pray about it before you approached your wife so that she should to the Seguires? Or it was just your own feelings? <laughs> so the question here is, how can I distinguish these voices? Is it really God? Is it Satan? Is it just my own imaginations and feelings? Then at two, uh, to Michael Seguire, when you approached your wife, how, how, how did you distinguish? It was just your own feelings or it was God that was uh, leading you to that place? So you can give it a shot. Thank you very much. I think it's more or less one question, uh, but this is how I approach it. I am single. I've given myself a break for two years. I'm a man. And I also accept God gives me feelings. So I'm in a space where I can comfortably say I can now look out for a girl. Now, you start also zeroing down to, but where? Because, and, and remember my roadblock, 
the girl ought to be tried and tested in terms of relationship with the Lord. Because I usually tell people coming to church does not make you a Christian. There are so many people who are coming here just for repair. You understand? But you want that one who is tried and tested. And, and for me, that was it. I did pray, and I told you I wait. I have these feelings, and I have the phone number, but when is it to strike? Now just think about when you choose to make the phone call, she is in mission. You understand? So you're first of all annoyed, confused, and everything. But now when you start hearing the answer, you're like, oh, it's now affirming that direction. Remember, I've seen, I've appreciated, I'm excited. And those are still God's feelings. I do believe if it were the devil, he would be asking me to get a girl somewhere else. Because at campus, my first term, we were in a term system that time, I visited those other places. The dancing clubs. I don't think God would be in that direction. But everything is tallied towards what is God saying. Is God in this thing? Do I see God revealed in this experience? Thank you. Thank you. Apofi is adding on something. Uh, one of the things I remember when Michael was proposing to me, he actually made a statement that stayed with me. He read his proposal and at the end of it he said, I have a peace and I'm assured that this peace comes from the Lord. When you've walked with the Lord, even when... Um, Personally, I've told you we've been through lots of seasons where we, I have been sick myself and, you know, almost at that point where you feel like everybody's almost giving up on you, but you have a peace. You're going through the pain. You can't explain it to yourself, but you have that peace, that assurance that God is right here with you, okay? And so for those who are trying to find out how do I know that this is God. You will have a You know how we say the peace that surpasses human understanding. Okay? You will not know why you're being led to Michael, but there is a peace that comes with knowing that I'm close to Michael. We've had a number of experiences in our own marriage. And, and one of the things that I vividly remember is how we got our current house, where we stay right now. We didn't have money. There was a proposal before us that demanded money that I had never imagined. And every time I tried to tell Michael, but are you sure? He said, I don't know what it is, but I have a peace. I don't know where the money is coming from. I don't know how we are going to navigate this whole thing, but I have a peace, and this peace can only be God. The devil will not give you peace. Okay? If you are in that moment of decision-making and you are fumbling, the devils, we all know what the devil will be leading you to do. How, when can I sleep with her? 
how fast can we hit this? Why don't I put some drugs in this uh, so that we do it quickly? You know, within you, you also know that. Mm, this is surely not God leading me into this space. So there will always be a peace. You will not be able to understand. You know, you've seen people who have lost their loved ones and they even can't explain why they are still doing what they are doing. But they have that peace. What am I saying? It will not be um, proofed off that you will not have those moments of, but am I sure about this? Doubts and all. But there will always be that coming effect. There will be that peace that surpasses human understanding like they say. Bless. Hallelujah. That place of peace. Peace and keeping in God's word. To the Rukwagos, someone here is uh, worried. They are 23. Even when you talk about dating, they are not understanding these issues of dating. They have never dated. So they are asking, are they no more? Eh? When can they start? They are worried. So the Rukwagos, let us help a dear brother. My brother, you're very normal. You're very normal. Um, in a way, and you know, as we go along, I even begin to realize more things. Like Michael, when I was you know, growing up, secondary school and all, I really avoided ladies. And so what I de decided to do, I made sure I had so many friends who are ladies. Friends at that level, so that I don't get myself hooked, you know, put on the side. So you, you know, you talk to this one, talk to this one, you know, because of being that kind of person who loves to do things, I'll just be on the move, on the move. So there's no time to sit me down and start telling me, hey, you know what, I, I want to, you know, and I was also trying to avoid it. So as I did that, come to the time to date, uh, I remember before I, I met my wife, I had dated before, uh, I had a girlfriend. And this particular girlfriend, the way it happened, because I had many friends, it developed out of a friendship, yeah? And became, you know, more than a friendship. That time I wasn't born again, so the dynamics were different, if you know what I mean. The dynamics were different, and... But the one thing that I remember, that I was asked, is that... So, what is your plan? I, but for me, I was like, we're just dating, you know. I didn't have a, a, a concrete plan, so I was caught off guard. I said, hey, this lady is too serious. <laughs> you know, what is your plan? Unlike Mike, that time I was a bit, you know, caught off guard. But to go back to that question, the brother who's saying, 23, am I okay? Is it? Sometimes, especially for us men, and I want to also add, Men who are born again, because again you've heard people say, ah, born again men are a bit boring and what. For us who are born again, there's that tendency to always want to, you know, uh, I don't know the right word to use, 
But you become so holy. You over-spiritualize everything. Even when there are certain things that are real-life situations or flesh and blood, eh? they are real-life situations. You have to approach them in real life, not spiritualizing the situation. Yeah? So because of that, you find that even being able to get or find that person that you can be able to date towards marriage becomes a difficult thing. Because you are trying, you think it will be an angel who will come and then probably put you together and, you know, but you, you, are, you are a man and they are ladies and we are pursuing, pursue. Eh? We are the men that pursue the ladies. So if you, you wait for the lady to pursue you, then you're getting it twisted. So you have to pursue the lady. Yeah? So sometimes, as men, okay, it may be that you haven't found the person, but then there's also that self-initiative that you need to have to be able to pursue. Amen? Hey, the men are not, are not clapping. The ladies clapping. <laughs> Gentlemen, we need to be able to understand that it is something that you, you have to do as, as a man. The woman feels loved if you pursue them, not, you know, waiting and just hoping it will be magical where an angel will just come and say, you're meant to be together. While you're pursuing God, and I wanted to bring this up just to tie into what they were saying, you need to position yourself. And positioning yourself means be in that place of prayer, the place of reading the word, the place of waiting on God, as you actively pursue. Yeah? Because you're in the world. You're not, you don't have a, a pool of ladies who are, you know, in heaven and you just go, no. I had my issues, I mean, my situations where I, I had a relationship, it didn't work out, it broke my heart, and uh, I believe that it was the reason why I came from there weeping, weeping up to here to give my life to Christ. <laughs> because, you know, it had been a year after that, but I think the emotion was still there when I, you know, think about it. The emotion was still there. So, my brother, wherever you are, you're okay, you're normal, but also engage and pursue. Amen. Engage and pursue. Yes, there's a good Okay. And maybe if I could add, I'm not a man, of course, but then I think... 23 or young, and I think one of the things that the mistakes we make is we think everybody's story is similar, but people have very different stories. Some people start dating when they're 26, get married when they're 30, and live happily ever after, okay? Others start dating when they're 18, get married when they're 23, and live happily ever after. We're talking about the happily ever after at this point, you know? Of course, there are challenges. So what I would like to encourage you is understand that your blueprint is your blueprint. What God has destined for you will come to pass if you pursue him and if you pursue his will for your life. Don't look at others and say, what has happened to my friends, 3 p.m. service or whatever it is, they're all getting married 
married, I must start getting married, because then you start to panic. And the choices that you make are not choices that God has planned for you. So like we said before, season, season, seasons. There's a wonderful verse in the Bible that says, the sons of Issachar, they knew the seasons and they knew what to do. You might be in a season of waiting. What are you doing in that season of waiting? Are you working on yourself as a young man? Are you becoming more diligent? Are you becoming more excellent in the workplace? Are you becoming more... You know, there are so many things that we need to keep working on ourselves. So ask God, how can I improve myself, you know? Should I be looking for investments and start working on a little farm? Whatever it is, but don't panic. Understand that your blueprint is different, but keep your connection with God as you seek your destiny. Yes. Amen. Just a small thing. I, I want to speak to those men. You have a good job you are of age, and you have this checklist. You are ticking, and then you get disappointed. You have a sample that you're going around, and you're in the corridors of decision-making. I'm a lover of Apple phones. I currently hold an old one, Apple X. Currently, I think there is 14. Um, 15 is loading in September. Uh, by the time Tim Cook, the CEO, comes to tell us the good things about 15, he also has a plan for 17. He knows what is likely to come. But guess what? I needed phone. You need to make up your mind. The beautiful ones are still being born. If you cannot make up your mind, even when you get married, you will have this whole thing of trying to look around. Because the beautiful ones are still being born. So you have to cross that mental bridge in your mind. Make the decision and say, yeah, I need a phone. Thank you very much. Thank you so, so much. I think these are good, good ones. But to encourage you, the one who is holding the microphone first dated at 24, so you still have one year to catch up with mine. <laughs> There's a question here. <laughs> uh, could the couples share an experience where and how God has spoken to you into resolving any conflict in your marriages? So someone is talking about conflict resolution but how you saw God lead you through some of those conflicts. So, I've, I've, opened, I've left it open to any, any of the couples to, to give it a shot. Praise God. You know, one of the things that happens when people put you at this stage, they make you feel like you are you're perfect, an angel. But just before we started, I remember we were talking with Alkwagos and I was telling them, we are no more human beings. Don't forget when we are up there, we have no more blood. It's red, actually. If you cut, we are all red-blooded like the rest of you. The only beautiful thing that happens when we fight is that we fight in the word. We fight going back to our basic foundation. What is your foundation? What is your foundation? And for us, I remember, oh, we thank God for St. Francis Marriage Fellowship. We always have 
a marriage fellowship and they, we get to work through a number of things, home builders, conflict management. So when you are interacting, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. So when you go there and you're newly married, then you find the Seguias who are 19 years and they're also still talking about conflict, then you realize, ah, okay, this thing is not about to go away, so we better work through it, okay? When they won Arsenal, I don't think Arsenal stopped playing. They just went back, sharpened themselves and came back. Not so. so the thing is, know how to conflict. And when you do conflict, what is the foundation, the baseline that you both go back to? For us, I, have, I can promise you, there are many mornings when we've been kneeling down to pray and I am reporting him to God. In fact, God, your son, yesterday, I was not very happy. You know, he, he annoyed me. I pray that, that that anger that he had towards me, you work on him. And then he's also looking and saying, mm, sister. So we go back to our baseline. We go back, and at the end of the day, there are many times when we've looked at each other and we've said, I'm really sorry, Sutat. I did that thing. When I did it, I knew I was doing the right thing. But now, on second thought, when I had the opinion of so-and-so, and then when I listened to what you said, I'm truly sorry. He might be still simmering with his anger. He might still not want to listen, but the word, please forgive me, comes down all the walls. And by the way, one of the things that I admired about Michael, when, when we, throughout our lives, Michael would be the first one to say, I am sorry, you people. I would say, but I, and I remember telling him, first wait, I get angry properly. <laughs> I finish, then you say sorry. Because while you're still at it, for him he has already done what? Apologized. What am I saying? It is okay for men to apologize. It is very okay. And it doesn't take away anything from you. My husband still says sorry to me, even when he knows that what he did at that particular time, he was very confident it was the right thing. But when I'm not on board, he will step back and say, I'm sorry. In other words, oh, it's normal. That's why the Bible says, forgive 70 times, seven times. Where do you think all that comes from? There's conflict that is bound to happen. And that's why God gives us a new check every day. Every day, the grace and mercies are new. 70 times, seven times. So that means you have a blank check of all those times to say, I am sorry, please forgive me. I am sorry, please forgive me. And it is well. We do it and it is normal. They do it and it is normal. And you also ought to learn that it is normal. Staying together definitely brings conflict. But how do you handle that conflict? Excellent. Let me put some color to this. Um, so there's this particular time we had a conflict. I actually don't remember what it was. We were so mad at each other. The stories were not making sense. We also pulled out the silent treatment, you know? Where you walk into the room, you're like... So we had these check-ins. You know, we usually check-in when we are leaving each other. We hug, you know, do those things. And kind of, you have these witnesses called children around you. And the children were like, Hey, Daddy, what's up? 
and you are so mad at each other, you like, ah, you will find out, you move on. So the silent treatment went on. Um, and then we are like, we have to talk to somebody. Who? No. You can't. No. For what? We have failed to talk and you're having all these exchanges. And then we, we have, and I like the bit of mentorship and the men ministry. We have Uncle Chobe, Stanley Chobe, mentoring us in this area. We are accountable to them. And guess what? She made the phone call. And uh, she called the Chobes, hey, Chichi, there is someone dust in Naguru up there. And you all go there and you're all still boiling. And the first thing they told us, okay, guys, can you hug each other? He's trying to be kind, but they actually told us, can you kiss? <laughs> Man. So all the walls were first broken. Then we entered into the session of talking. They actually took us home. After that meeting, they took us home and they called the children. And they asked us to apologize to the children. We apologized. The children cried. I still vividly remember. I could clearly see the impact of our disconnection on the children. The children prayed over us. It was wonderful fellowship. What am I trying to say? Men, get accountable to another man. Allow your wife to have a speed dial. And for us who do counseling, we start with who is your best man? Not the one who can put on a suit that day. Who is that man who can speak into your life? You need to have such men in your life. Thank you. Excellent. So who is that man that can speak into your, your life? But also, we are talking about hearing from God. Maybe as uh, the Seguas share their, their story, maybe there is someone that God is saying, uh, that God is telling, maybe you need to go and apologize to your wife. You need to go and ask for forgiveness from your children. That could be the clearest voice that you've heard from God yeah. out of this, uh, this session. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, there are about four or five people who have written something interesting, and I want to summarize it. It's about mixed marriages. They're appreciating the Muganda Munyankoli. On this side, you have the Muganda, the Mugisu. This side. <laughs> so we are all here, mixed marriages. <laughs> so there are two questions that are arising in summary because there are about five people who have written. The first question is, uh, someone seems to be in that same mix but not yet married. They are still on the dating uh, journey but they are finding uh, resistance from the parents. How would you advise such a person? Then the second one I will also summarize the talking about uh, the same challenges in terms of cultural challenges like someone pointed out the Muganda loves Matoke and Luwombo. 
the Baganda women putting on Gomesi, so you are putting on a Gomesi and all that. The issues of uh, dowry, and uh, someone is claiming the Wanyankore will ask for many cows, the Baganda will ask for Chisambi. <laughs> <laughs> so the question they are asking, how did you overcome those tribal challenges? Or how are you overcoming those tribal challenges? Yeah, so maybe I will start with the Rukwagos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very understandably, uh, those differences are there. Those differences are there, and you probably will not avoid them. One thing that probably worked for us, uh, and she will share a little more, is that I had parents who were mixed marriage. My dad was a Muganda. He passed on. My mom is a Mnyankoli. So, not that I followed them, because this thing just happened. <laughs> but uh, I think they were very open. They were not really, you know, putting their foot down. This is what we want. This is what we want. But to speak into the situation, the brother, wherever you are, is that First of all, it's very important that we honor our parents. If you start your marriage off without their blessing, chances are that you, down the road, you'll probably begin to regret. It's important to honor, in principle, it's important for us to honor our parents. Circumstances may change if, you know, they are probably not of the faith. Uh, good example, if one is having a shrine at home and they're saying this is how we are going to do it then, and you're a believer, then at that point there is something that has to be done. But if, if it is all well, you need to honor them. If it's just an, an issue of culture or tribe, then you need to sit down with them and be able to bring them on board. And especially go back to God. I know, and I know, and I know, God will not bring you to a situation like that if it is not of him. I know. There is no struggle, or you will not find resistance where God has said, this is the way. There is less resistance in the path where the Lord has said, this is what I want you to do. And of course, the dynamics are much more different. So we are speaking just generally. Your situation may be that you're born again, you've sought the Lord, he has spoken, you're moving forward. And your parents are resisting. Go back to God and say, God, you gave me this person. I know you spoke to me, but I want you to go like Apophia did. Show me that it is you by convincing them to come on board. And you never know one uncle may come on board, or God may tell you, go and speak to the other auntie. The auntie will go to the other uncle, and before you know it, the home has been surrounded, and your parents are on board. That's what I feel that you need to do, especially if you're born again, and the Lord has spoken in that situation. Yeah. And of course, to add that um, mixed cultural, or you know, whether the person's white and you're black, 
the first thing to know is, of course, it's not straightforward. You know, it's not an easy thing. I remember when I was going to marry Michael, some of the things I really struggled with were simple, yeah? Things like kneeling, because I come from a family where we hug. You hug your aunties, you hug everybody. <laughs> and I was marrying into a family where, my goodness, you must kneel. I remember with my matron at the time, because we're not yet married, we practiced kneeling, you know? I, and then there are so many things you must go around. Things that the Banyankore think, oh, that's very fine, but the Waganda frown upon those things, yeah? So the first thing to know, it's not a straightforward thing, but that doesn't mean something beautiful can't come out of a mixed cultural marriage. I think that's important to note. And so if you're willing and able to do the work, because there'll be work, there'll be learning, it's a continuous process. There are things I'm still learning, I think, after 18 years. I think if you're ready to do the work, like Michael said, God has spoken to you, this is something of God. I think I can't overemphasize the issue of honor. I cannot overemphasize the issue of honoring your parents. And going back to God and saying, Lord, how do we... How do we surmount this mountain? Because it is a mountain in your pathway, isn't it? It's something you must get over. But this business of just saying, oh, we are going to get married anyways, and you rush off, that wouldn't be the approach and the advice that I give. Yes. Thank you. Excellent. Let me just add something. So, so friends, marriage is not a 100-meter dash that um, I have set a deadline. By 30, I should be married and, you know, that kind of thing. If you're finding resistance, pause. Talk to God to talk to the parents. It is important. Bring them on board. Bring the brethren on board to help you talk to the parents. It is very, very critical that you handle that. Dowry. Very excited we are dating. My mom tells me, uh, we tell my mom, um, um, I want to go to Mbarara and um, just to check on the Bazeis because I had this principle, I need to talk to Muzei and I need to get his hand in marriage. I, permission, live from my father-in-law. That was a personal goal. My mom tells me, you are not boarding the bus to go to Mbarara. In Buganda, you have to go with somebody. I'm like, but these old-fashioned people. Anyway, we are in love. Get onto the bus, get to Mbarara, go past the supermarket, pick some sugar bread, and hit home. We reach home, we realize that Muzei had called the uncles. And I'm like, we were supposed to come here for chat-chat, hi, eat food, and run back to Kampala. Then I start realizing uncle's singers. I'm like, hey man, this thing is sounding very big. I remember my mom very clearly, do not, and I had not told her, do not step in Barra alone. Anyway, I was like, but I have an agenda. Um, somehow, you know, these things happen. The ladies, she goes straight into the kitchen, starts organizing. I'm like, I'm saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I start my agenda, by the way. Um, I want your hand in marriage. I um, intend to get married to Apofia. Um, and say, hey, good, nice, congratulations. Yeah, me, I don't have a problem. Blah, blah, blah. Like, hey, this is too fast. And he's like, okay, yeah, but um, so what dates were you thinking about? So I usually tell people I had my dates. 
I knew there was Kuchala, there was Kwanjula, there is Kuhinjira. I had all those, so I had my debts where I would recover financially, so I knew. So I started putting the debts. He's like, hey, but young man, you are broke. Why do you want to make all these trips to Mbarara? Really? You waste money. He's like, what? You mean I can cancel some of those things? Yes. Okay, fine. Gives me a date and I'm going to Mbarara once. I was like, man, that's bull. And the story turns, by the way, in Barara, we marry with cows. I look for a puffy, I'm like, this is a taboo in Buganda. A son cannot negotiate with the father-in-law about that. It's a taboo. It's like, uh-huh, how many cows? I'm like, no, I can't handle this. I remember my mom clearly. <laughs> anyway, I tell him, a number that came off my head. And the Frisian car was 1 million shillings, 2003. A million shillings. So I say number there, and I, I go back sweating. I'm like, man, where's all that money coming from? So we somehow find a moment, it's like, man, they've asked for daddy. Which is, what? That was the car was. And we are reconciling our files, but I had committed. So, fast forward, I come back to Kampala. I am telling my friends, my brother in law, why did you get into this? No, 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 that's too much. So I get back and say, like, you go back and negotiate with your father in law. <laughs> friends, I picked up the phone and we negotiated. And we agreed on an amount I could afford at that point in time. It was a taboo. I told my mom she was not happy, but it had happened. But this is the point. Today, I have the courtesy of welcoming so openly my father-in-law in times of need. We are currently nursing him, and it is okay that he's at home. What am I saying? We built a relationship. So I just want to emphasize, do not force your way out. Ask God to speak to your parents. Thank you. Amen. Do not force your way out. <laughs> so it still comes back to that place of prayer. Prayer. Listening to, to God. Friends, our time is, uh, <laughs> is first spent. I have so many questions, but I think we can see how to tackle them uh, some other, some other time, but there's this picture on which I want to end with. The rest we've not ignored, but uh, time we will see how to, to chip in, in here and there as uh, in, the, in the next uh, sessions here and there. Someone is asking, have you been uh, have there been seasons where you've uh, perceived and I want to, he has not underlined, but I think I want to underline the word perceived God's voice and direction differently as a couple? If so, how or where did you find the common ground if you've ever been in that place? <laughs> we will end with this. Mm. Um, I must say that uh, growing up together is also a process. 
And the way I, you, you notice for me, I had my own prayer items and the way I presented them to God. And he had his own space and how he presented his issues to God. So yes, it can be true that you, God speaks to me and he has not spoken to Mike about the same issue yet. Or he has spoken to Mike about an issue and for me, I haven't perceived it yet. Still, the point of agreement is still back to the foundation. What do you do in those moments? Most of the times, like Michael said, we have accountable uh, friends that we go to, okay? And, and I still want to emphasize this because there's this whole notion of if you go out to seek counseling, then you're failing at marriage, or if you try to bring in other people, then you've brought in a third party that will make it worse. Look for people that are like-minded and grow together. And so, we, what has happened in our situation, we go to this particular couple friends that we and we usually have maybe overnights at their place or they'll come to our place and we always present the issue that is of contention, whatever it is. And then they will say, okay, let's all pray about it and then we will like talk to each other what God has said. But even as we present the issues or whatever it is that we are agreeing on, we are also praying. One of the things that we we um, I remember really, really early in our marriage was the schools to which we wanted our children to go. We both knew we wanted Christian schools, but you know there are different Christian schools around. And so even just that, you both know you want a Christian school, but he wants a different school, I also want a different school. So how do you get to that? We still take it back to God in prayer. And, and then, of course, do more research, engage other people to come in and help you, you know, demystify whatever it is. Even buying land. I remember there was a time he, he, he was so, you know, into buying land, buying land. But at the back of my mind, I had a history in my own home where people were borrowing to buy, you know, like loans. And so for me, the word loan in my head was a taboo. And for him, loan, a banker, it was a piece of cake. I told him, by the way, <laughs> as long as I'm your wife, that is not going to happen. And he had seen this property and had loved it, and you know, it was really going. I told him, as long as I'm your wife, and there's a word loan in the sentence, just forget it. So what did he do? He went to a best man. And then a best man, of course, came sat us down, listened to my scare, listened to his story, and thank God that at the end of the day, he made us appreciate what was before us. He made me appreciate it. He said, I can see your fear. But this fear, has he explained to you that bankers get a lower, you know, interest rate? And looking at his finances, this will add up to the... Of course, I needed the figures also. So... I'm not saying just go and get blind loans anyhow. But anyway, he helped us to understand and work through the details. Every time I look back now and look at that property, I keep remembering. It is a reminder of there's always grace when there is such a thing. Even the schools, we got our friends involved. We prayed together. So what am I saying? Look for like-minded friends. Pray together. Don't be scared to 
to, you know, there's this whole thing of they are going to think we are exposing ourselves. No. If they are your friends, then you can as well agree or talk about, be vulnerable to one another. And then pray together. There is lots of things we've prayed together with our friends. Even, you know, I already told you that when we were getting our current home, me in my head and in my heart, I was like, you know what, Sitat, let's take back this thing to the owners. We go back to our original. <laughs> I don't understand because while we were in the process of paying, I fell sick. The medical bills were shooting up. There was no way we could beat the deadline for the, the, the completing the payment. But I remember he just told me, I also don't have answers. I'm just going to pray. Give me time to seek the Lord. And friends, in that moment, in those, I, I think he fasted for like two days. In that moment, a window opened for him to access a loan, to access money that not many people could access. That money was enough to clear, to make sure that we didn't miss our deadline of payment. And guess what? The window closed. So when I say prayer and prayer and prayer, I mean it because we've seen it work. I remember the song that was displayed up there that I have seen you, I have heard, and I know, and I've tested. I know that prayer works. What is it that, what is that mighty Goliath before you? Whoever knew that a stone could kill Goliath? Go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Whatever it is, I've, I've actually just remembered that person who talked about intercultural things. Go to the Lord in prayer. He's the one who, who holds the hearts of kings and men. He changes them. He's a faithful friend, and I mean it. He can change things for you. Amen, amen. Thank you so much. Before I come to the close, just a minute. UBM 021S. The one who drives that car, UBM 021S. You could help. Uh, you, need, you need to clear some for someone to, to pass. Yeah. So, yeah, just, just some principles here in life. There are things that can go wrong, but keep the principle. And what am I talking about? <clears throat> 2002, we are dating. I accessed some money. I had 11 million shillings on me. And uh, there was 25 decimals in Nigeria. And the tarmac stopped in Intinda. Nigeria behind the Shell petrol station. Yeah, it was a village practically. Um, so I take my girlfriend there then. And I'm like, this is the plot. The lawyer is there. We are ready to sign the deal. She's like, no. Chino <laughs> Chalo. You understand? I pleaded, I pleaded, but I had a principle. I had a principle that I have to be on board with my wife. I can't make those decisions. She's my girlfriend, but I've set the principles. She said no. Friends, we chewed that money. We had a very good dating. We can't account for that money. But fast forward, even when we disagreed on 
buying a certain property. Okay? The money was there, everything was lined up. I could not move until she was on board. Whether this property goes or whatever, nothing. And even when I was running out of time, I had to bring in my best man to bring her on board. My last point. The properties we are talking about, it is Michael and Apophia Seguaya on those titles. I hope the men copy. <laughs> wow, what a way to end. He hopes the men can copy. So, friends, our time is uh, fast spent. Okay, <laughs> let's have... have since uh, it's Prof, the senior citizen, let's allow him to... <laughs> Hearing the word of God is key. Praying is key. I want to give you a message, all of us who are here, a message that transformed my life. A message when I heard the first morning people singing a song which I want us to sing today right now, it was in Luganda. It, is, it starts like this, and those of you who understand Luganda, even those who don't understand can sing it. It says, Encha wonozuku kanga gato so semirimo Soko so me mukitabo Yesu che yawani Thanks a lot, Prof. That was a great commercial break and very, very impactful. Thank you so, so much. So, friends, in just a minute, let me ask the Rukwagos to give their parting shots and a minute for the Seguayas to give their parting shots, and we will call it a program. <laughs> Thank you, Reverend. Um, yeah, it's amazing how time flies, and uh, there's a lot more uh, that can be said. 
What have we been saying? What have I been saying tonight? For us as men, the onus is on us. You've had the sharing here, but the Lord is speaking to you and is saying, what are you going to do? What is it that you're going to change in your home? The Seguires have an altar. They have spoken about it. We have an altar where every night before we go to bed, that's where our issues are settled. She knows that whenever we are annoyed, you can't pray when you are annoyed. So somehow, you get there and you say, by the way, today, eh, this happened, I wasn't happy. She will receive it, or the other way around, I'll receive it. You will say sorry, you may not say sorry, but the fact is, you bring the issues at the altar. So if there's no altar in the home, where are you going to resolve those issues? Because then you're resolving them in the physical. And that tends to get physical for some people. Anger, bitterness, all this. So for me, the, the thing that I am saying for us as men, we need to go and be the priests, the deacons, the pursuers in the home that the family can be able to rise up. And once the family is up, the church is up. Once the church is up, the nation is up. As men, we have a bigger role to play. In the men's group, we are doing, we're using a tool called, called Every Man a Warrior. And it tackles like six areas. But those are areas that every man and the research has been done uh, it's written by Lonnie Bagger. Research has been done that the man in Uganda, the man in America, the man in Asia or Europe, we all face those same issues. And those are issues that we need to be able to address as men. May the Lord bless you. Amen. 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 Um, parting shots, I think one, we are really honored and privileged that you could um, invite us here and uh, as ladies, we hope that what we've shared has started to touch your hearts. But I think the first point as I conclude that I would like to share is we make the assumption when we come to conferences like this that everybody is born again. Uh, there might be some men that came for this conference, someone shared a flyer and said, you know, there's this discussion, come and join it, but you're not born again. My word to you is that a life without Christ is a difficult, dull life, okay? That if you want to enjoy the things we are talking about, okay, having Christ as your savior is the first step. So for me, I think that's the first and most important step. You must have Christ as your personal Lord and savior. And I hope we'll have an opportunity later on, maybe not today, but sometime during this conference to give people that would like to give their lives uh, to Christ, men that would like to start this journey, an opportunity to come to Christ. So I hope that will happen. The second point is really just seasons and just to emphasize the fact that we all go through 
different seasons. And understand that your season will be very different from another. Ask God, as you go through that season, what it is that he would like you to do as you work on improving your, your life. As Christian men, we need to see men that are excellent. We need to see men that are diligent, you know? Why are the men in the world doing certain things that our Christian men cannot do? Why do people think, oh, Christian men are boring, Christian men cannot excel? They can, and there are so many examples of Christian men that are excelling, that are doing well as husbands, that are doing well in the workplace, you just need to find people to work with you. And that's why what you're doing with the men's group is a great thing. Men can excel. Challenge yourselves on a daily. And as your women, we'll support you. Yes. Good, great, great, great. The surprise. I think she has said it beautifully. It is okay, men to have men's group. It's okay to challenge each other, to encourage each other in the Lord. I keep emphasizing that, in the Lord. Look for like-minded people. I know we have had instances where we have brought people on board into the marriage fellowship when they are not necessarily Christians or saved. Some have been Muslims and they are just our neighbors. We called them in and before we knew it, they got born again. And they are on their way to, you know, getting married. And, and it is the things, it's the fruit that you produce that will bring other people into your space. Your fruit will always be tested. What is the fruit that you have with you? Is it prayer? Is it, you know, the salvation? How can your community test that salvation, what are you doing? And so I encourage fellow, men, fellow ladies, support the men. Give them a chance to have those Bible studies. One of the things that I encouraged my husband to join was a Bible study fellowship, PSF, and he managed to bring other men on board. If you're enjoying something beautiful as a man, where are your friends? Bring them on board and let this conference next year be even bigger than this amen. so that we know the Lord is doing a great work in you. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. So to the single men, I want to urge you, wait on the Lord. It's not a hundred meters, just wait on the Lord. He knows your path, he knows the marathon you are running. For those who are dating, respect that girl. Bring her to the altar in a true white gown. Respect her body. Choose you have the key and present her at the altar and start your journey well. It actually pays you will see the fruits in your marriage. So respect her body. To the married men, friends, I pray that we end well. It is such a pity you're 60, 70, and you look back at your life and you are living a world war of children who can't talk to each other from different moms. You can't even talk to their mother. Let's end well. Let's end well. And ending well starts with a decision today. 
a decision to say, I will choose her every day of my life. And we respect that decision. May the Lord bless you. Amen, 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 amen. Friends, it's been a good, good, good time together. From that scripture of 1 Samuel 30, verse 8, and David inquired of the Lord. And we started from that scripture, and my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. Let's keep in there, in that place with God, in that place with Jesus. As uh, Robina said, if you do not know Jesus, yeah, even as we end this session, grab one of us and let us help you to find Jesus. Amen. The Lord richly bless you.